Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Welcome, everybody, to our very special mid-December episode. It's not very special. <laughs> is, is this a special one? No. Okay. I mean, they're all special in their own way. Right, um, right. Yeah, so just just me and Andy this week. Uh, we have uh, some, some fun things actually planned, I think, for later in the month, um, or probably the early new year. Uh, but we will we'll get into that when we get into it. But just you know, stay tuned and subscribe. I guess if you haven't sub- subscribed to the podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Andy, what I wanted to do to get started uh, is to ask you a little bit about the game that you have been running. You've been running an Aliens game that I've been playing in over the past like month or so. Um, how, like yeah, so and let's see. We have our last session on Wednesday, I believe, right? So we're, we're doing this on Zoom with a with a handful of people. So um, I had a couple of questions for you, and just uh, just start with, I guess, like why why aliens? Uh, yeah, I mean that's a good question. Uh, so I mean I love the franchise. So you know I I love Alien and Aliens. The first two movies are just really high in my uh, my list of personal faves. And so when the official alien rpg came out a year or two ago i mean there's just no way i wouldn't check it out plenty of games have done aliens with the serial numbers filed off over the years and i mean you can use any game system you want to run an alien style game but i it's always interesting to see what a good uh you know a company with a good reputation for interesting game design like free league i was just genuinely curious what they would do with to evoke the tropes of an alien movie so that's pretty much it because I love aliens and I picked up the game and it's, you know, it's a gorgeously produced game. And And I think you need to tell everybody. So the, the one little like tidbit that I just adore from that is what they call the GM in this game. So I'm going to make you say it out loud. What what do they call the GM? Yes. It's called the game mother. Uh, (laughs) And that's because the computer that runs most like spaceships and space stations in the alien universe is called like the program is called mother or something like that or the ai is uh i don't know if you watch the first alien movie there's mother is a prominent uh character in it so yeah yeah uh, it's yeah. it's lovely that's always the the best part about reading any sort of like yeah <laughs> any sort of game book is like okay so what are they gonna call the gm in this one <laughs> um, yeah yeah there's the uh there's some really there's been some really wacky ones over the years you know most people keep it pretty generic like game moderator or something i i love it when they they feel a need to keep the acronym like gm or dm but they but they also feel a need to come up with slightly different terminology uh so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty interesting uh game to run and you've been playing in it and i mean are do you care to share your brutally honest opinion about how it's been going yeah, so we've been playing on on roll twenty, and I swear we're not going to get into like details about the the story. We, we talked beforehand. We're, we're not going to like give a blow <laughs> yes. by blow um, on this, but uh, yeah, it's been it's a really fun like it's it's a fun system. It's fun to play in that universe. So the character that I'm playing is just like it's a space marine, right? Like a a very yeah. jerky space marine. Uh, so that's that's fun for me to inhabit. The, the dice rolling mechanic is super interesting because there's this sort of like the stress meter that's going up to that um, that has an effect on how many dice you're rolling. But if if those dice hit in a wrong way, bad things happen. Um, yeah, so I actually like it. It really captures the tension, I think, of those movies fairly well. Um, yeah. I'd say, like, I don't know what it's like from your end, but as a player, you, you definitely feel like anytime you're going to take an action that something bad, very bad could happen. Yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that it's, you know, working. Um, 
that because one of the takeaways I've had from GMing that game, and this is a system where to clarify, uh, as your character experiences, you know, stressful, uh, has a stressful experiences, they gain, you know, points of stress. And in this game, anytime you roll the dice, uh, the stress that you have presents a risk that you will, like, basically panic uh, or lose it, which is interesting because um, I am a traditional, like, D&D GM, and I'm used to just having people roll for everything. You know, just mm-hmm. having people roll for something, it's just a nice, like, really quick way to to find out how a situation is going to turn out. But when you have a situation, when you have a game where every die roll contains within it the possibility that the player will have a mental breakdown, it really, uh, I mean, the obvious intent is that you really are only rolling the dice for really critical situations. But in the last game, Chris, specifically with your character, there were a couple of cases where I kind of wanted the dice to tell me what the result of your actions were. But as soon as you rolled, I realized I I didn't, I didn't want your character to risk freaking out about this, you know? So I oh. think you were, you were rolling to interrogate somebody and it was a low stake situation. And I just wanted to see how it went. So I asked you to roll. And then as soon as you did, I was like, I, I hope, I hope he doesn't roll the, you know, there. Uh, so getting used to a system where dice rolls are supposed to be really rare and impactful has been an adjustment to me because I'm used to just saying, sure, roll intelligence and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, because the like the failure state just swings so much in in this yeah. game. Yeah, more more so than others. Because we've had a couple a couple of times where you know you're rolling a fistful of dice, right? Virtually, right? Like you're just rolling like this huge fistful of dice, and like none of them succeed. And you're like, well, oh no, <laughs> this is this is bad. Um, but yeah, so I, I like it for like the sort of the tension that it brings because it, it is it isn't very. It's not like D and D where you sort of like you swing, you miss, you hit, it's fine, you move on to the next person. Like every, everything feels very, very impactful, as you were saying. Yeah. My last mm-hmm. comment that I would make about the game is just that uh, I, I honestly, despite uh, feeling like I am getting into the swing of things, I, I find that just running a horror themed game online over Roll20 is just difficult as a GM. Uh, and it's not the fault of the players at all, but especially, especially if you have players whose sort of default expression is kind of. Uh, you know, in, if they're kind of bland or bored, you know, you just can't tell what's connecting or what's not, you know, is that look on their face? Are they like bored to tears or are they on the edge of their seat with tension? You know, that's easier to tell in person. I'm, I struggle with that, with this Aliens game, even though I think it's going well. And I know you and the other players well enough to know that, you know, if they weren't, if you weren't having a pretty good time, someone would find a way to let me know. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's just sort of, I mean, something that I've learned just with the pandemic right now is like when you're on video calls, you sort of need to to act like you're in the theater, right? Like you need mm-hmm. to act very broadly when stuff is happening. Um, at least that's what I found, right? So if you were laughing at someone's joke, like you, you need to like physically make it look like you were laughing mm-hmm. <laughs> more yep. in a different way. Um, maybe I overthink these things a lot, but yeah, it's it's just, just playing online is a very different different sort of experience. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to ask like what, so whether or not you play like this game into the future, is there anything that you're going to take from it into other games? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I like the, although it has been a challenge to implement, 
I like the structure that this game, the kind of artificial structure that this game imposes on you. It has like a very clear three-act structure. It, it's not something that I would apply to just any old D&D game, but it has really helped me as a GM think like of the game in terms of acts and scenes, not because um, it's a very big, it's a very big play space that you have. I don't know if that's really come through when we've been playing, but there's a lot of directions you can go and a lot of different ways that the game could unfold depending, you know, even just depending on what order you visit the same locations even. Uh, but thinking, thinking about it with a kind of a three act structure and I have very specifically like, what do they need? What ought they, what do they need to experience or learn by the end of act one? Uh, you know, and then for act two, what, what do I want them to experience? I don't know. I'm maybe not articulating it well, but the next time I run, you know, a short campaign like this, I am going to think of it as if it were like sort of a movie as far as pacing and stuff like that goes. So that said, you know, it's been hard to do that simply because so I'm running a pre-published adventure. It's called Destroyer of Worlds and I'm modifying it a bit. But man, I don't I mean, there is enough in there. We could be playing all year, honestly. Uh, I mean, if we touch on like more than 20% of what is in there by the end of the campaign, I mean, our next session will be our last one way or the other, but we won't have hardly even scratched the surface of the amount of stuff. So I don't know, like on the one hand, I always love getting something that has way more stuff than I need because then I can pick and choose all the cool stuff. But part, part of my reaction on kind of going through this was like, this is too much. I need some help <laughs> focusing down focusing this down a little bit um that's super fascinating right so from the player perspective it feels it's felt more like we were playing a movie okay and i was actually wondering right is this are we playing through a linear thing or how much choice do we really have have here and sort of like what what the next scenario is going to be but it, it also does feel like there's very much like a ticking clock happening okay too as we're going so. well that i'm glad to hear it it means it's working but i don't know if i could explain exactly why it's working um, I mean, you are supposed to feel like you're in a movie, but it is a really, it is very open-ended. If, if, you, if you don't realize it, it's very open-ended. Like there's, yeah, I won't, I won't go into, I won't um, beat dead horse, but uh, it's been an educational experience. And I don't know if I would race to run, a, you know, this Aliens game again. I think I will. I've definitely enjoyed it. It's a great game. And if you like mm -hmm. Aliens, you should check it out. But it does have a feeling of like, you know, once a year you do your special aliens game, not something that I would want to do a long campaign in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very like with, with D and D, right. Like there's parts of dungeons that you feel a bit rote oftentimes. Yeah. Right. There's like, you know, you got to go into the clear out the goblin cave or whatever. Like this game does not feel like that would support that at all. Right. Like you would, you were supposed to be doing sort of these big action set pieces from, from sort of scene to scene. Um, so that's, that's actually really interesting to hear, like from a player, like, like that that sort of hugeness and vastness, I guess, to the world is not like it's coming across in that. Like, I do feel like we could go somewhere else if we wanted to, but it's also yeah. it really feels like there's this tension of like we're going forward, we're going forward, we're going like we're kind of going <laughs> towards a goal the whole time. <laughs> well, I'm really glad to hear it. I think you guys are bringing a lot of that to the table, and mm. it is definitely a game where if you are not here to play an aliens game. Uh, you know, you need to bring your understanding of the genre. You need to know that, you know, 
uh, you know, this is the game where your PC might lean his face in real close to investigate the creepy alien egg, right? You know, you need yeah. everyone needs to be on board, and you guys are on board with the genre expectations. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think John Corey introduced me to this idea of of role playing games really being a way to 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 act out a story within a genre, hmm. and that's that's sort of what everybody is on board um, yep. doing. And I've I've really taken to that and noticed that in all the games that I've played sort of since he introduced that concept to me that like the people that kind of have the most fun are the ones that are most invested in telling, telling the genre mm. story. Yeah. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. That not John like the smart correct guy. way. Yeah. Like, John's a smart guy. But, <laughs> yeah. Like not like telling the genre story in the correct way, but just like invested in the idea of telling a story in that way. Like you're not going to be able to play a D and D game and like never swing your weapon. It's just right. not going to happen. Right. Yep. Like, yeah. Whereas, yeah, if in aliens, like, if you're like, if your goal is to befriend the alien, like, that's, that's just not going to work. <laughs> Feel free to try it, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You would love that game. So, so, Chris, well, thanks. First of all, thanks for giving me a chance to uh, talk about that game. And maybe in a future episode, when the campaign is done, I'll offer maybe uh, another kind of uh, review of how it all went and lessons learned from it. But uh, in I had a question for you. That Well, I could use a little bit of your uh, insight into. So Christmas is coming up, as you know, and I have uh, some uh, I have some relatives who are young boys who who I don't see regularly because they live far away, who I would like to send like a role playing. I would like them to send them like a role playing starter Mm. kit of some sort, like. And I am just curious if you had to, if you had like, you know, a modest budget and you were, and you wanted to send, you know, an introduction to D&D to some kids that, uh, they're very sharp kids. I, I think they're probably somewhat aware of what D&D is, but I, I don't think they've played it. Uh, what would you put in that box? Ooh, that's a good question. And, and let's just say in this case, it is Dungeons and Dragons. So let's, so okay. if it matters, let's be D&D yeah. specific, but so, I mean, I can start us off here. So the obvious thing is the starter kit, which they yes. published. So I bought that. I bought one of those. But I I don't think I, I, I am not, I am not sold on the starter kit being something I, you can just like drop in someone's lap, like without anything else. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you have anything else you might tuck in there? Yeah, that's, this is interesting, right? Because so the starter kit was my first sort of, product that i ran i guess in mm-hmm. D like that so for me as an adult it was daunting opening that that thing up and trying to understand exactly what you're supposed to do yeah. like now looking back on it it's very clear what they were trying to do but there there's a bit of open-endedness open-endedness there when you're when you're first kind of cracking it open i actually wonder if the essentials kit um for D, if that does a better job with sort of introducing players a little bit slowly oh, yeah like, i just picked that up i haven't i haven't cracked it open yet. yep um yeah as far as like so if there's if they're sharp kids right they'll make it happen right like the only thing that i think they would really benefit from is probably having just an extra set of dice for mm-hmm. everybody and then some sort of like little not necessarily like a full-fledged mini but like a standy you know something small yep. like that that they can use yes they could just use coins or anything else that they have around but it, it would be nice for them to have have a couple things like that yeah that occurred to me too and i yeah i was thinking of like picking up you know the those uh D kind of 
branded miniature plastic miniatures are, are very cheap so i was thinking of getting a couple of those uh maybe getting like one monster one like just looking back through the uh, starter kit to see what some of the most memorable big monsters are and maybe mm-hmm. get one of those yeah um yeah there's uh the starter kit like the the opening opening dungeon like it's a bunch of goblins and a bugbear and i think like a couple of wolves in there yeah. too right like so the, the bugbear is i'd run that that first dungeon for a couple of groups and that bugbear really sticks out to everybody that's yep. like a yeah so that would be the if you're gonna get one <laughs> one monster right, yeah be, be that little, little bugbear so would you put so something so other things i thought that i should tuck into this box that you know uh, that crossed my mind are like a dungeon master screen oh or yes. yeah, get a screen. like a yeah. flip mat like one of these uh like erasable flip mats like battle grid yeah. type things yeah um, there is a my pro tip on that although it's a little dicey right now um just with with the pandemic is uh, you can go to the dollar store and they often have small dry erase boards and dry oh. erase markers for like dirt cheap and the markers are surprisingly good for okay for the money like they're 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 small they're not going to last as long as like the conference room fancy ones you yeah. get at work or whatever but like you know just to get them a couple colors and a couple of like dry erase style things you can you can get those really cheap at the dollar store uh that is a good tip thank you because those are not cheap to buy like the official you know D&D yeah, branded need, ones. <laughs> and they, they probably don't need the grid. They can draw it out if they really need yeah. to. But. Well, if you think of anything else that you would uh, tuck into that besides dice, maybe a GM screen, uh, and a couple of miniatures, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let me know. I'll be yeah. packing it up, uh, packing that up. It was cool. it was fun to think through. I, you know, it is hard to know. I was trying to remember, you know, everyone gets into this hobby in a different way. And I don't know if most people's path into the hobby is like, going out and buying the starter kit and following what wizards of the coast probably hopes is like the customer journey right i mean yeah. most of us <laughs> play with a relative or the friends at school to introduce us or you know we all have a kind of our own way we've gotten into D. so i'm looking forward to sending this to them but at the same time i'm also realizing like this may not be the actual way that most people start playing D. <laughs> yeah I, I i really don't know um you know especially at like a younger age as well. Like for all I know, they're watching D and D on TikTok. I don't know. Like maybe you can get a GM on TikTok. Uh, but yeah, like I guess the only other thing that occurs to me, and this is more of more effort on your part would be for you to volunteer to run like a small scenario. Once uh, they yes. open on Christmas, if, yep. if you'd be willing to jump on zoom and just be like, okay, like let's run through a battle and then you can, you all can play the, the rest. That of is it. actually a really idea because one of the question, because you know they're they're at that age where i mean they're sharp kids they can play this but it is also you're giving them like a a 50 page book to read you, you know before they can start playing this thing and i you know it is a shame it would be a shame if there's no experienced gm there to like say oh hey you got the starter kit let's l- like i'm let me run something for you let me help you let ease you into mm-hmm. this hobby but so that's a good idea i may i may make an explicit offer to like run this for them at any time yeah so. i think i love it and you'd probably be able to quickly figure out which of the kids is going to be the gm <laughs> yes too. like there's, yep. there's going to be the one kid that's going to be like way into it or will like actually care about the rules and they're like okay well you are, well, <laughs> you can yes. text me later <laughs> we'll get you up to speed yeah that's great okay um, well right. uh anyway thanks for uh thanks for chatting about that stuff chris uh, yeah. shall we move on here 
Yeah, uh, I guess last thing would be right. If so, if anyone who's listening to this has a great idea, you have w- probably a day to get Andy another another piece of advice <laughs> yeah. before he can, he can actually, get it out. But yeah, please let us know. You have through like December twenty eighth, which is when I'll actually <laughs> mail this thing. So, uh, I mean, in, if I were a responsible adult, I would have mailed it last week. But uh, so it would get there in time to go into the tree. But that we all know that's not going to happen. So uh, no, take your time not. getting the advice. Yeah. Um, okay, so Andy, uh, I want to do another D6 table. Oh, um, good. This is, okay. continues to be fun, um, yep. so we we're going to keep on doing it until it stops being fun. That's right. Uh, yeah, so uh, the thing that I wanted to make a D6 table about, and this is because, so I, I just did a little fire in our backyard. We have a fire pit. Oh, okay. Um, and it was really nice to do that. You know, it was nice to kind of hang out around around the fire pit. Um, but I am wondering if we can make a D6 table about, like, uh, mysterious or interesting things that could happen um, after the party has lit a fire. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What a fantastic idea. Uh, I have to say, uh, just a little quick aside. Yeah. My, my family, like my wife and I, we've been, we would like to put a fire pit in our backyard and the official like rules for doing so are a little on the strict side. And I, like, I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if our, if it's possible, like physically possible for us to meet the requirements, but we have like, <laughs> There's multiple neighbors that have fire pits and like just eyeballing their setup. I'm pretty sure they're not following the rules either. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you it's something to be very, very careful about. Um, But it's also like, yeah, I had the same thing where I was getting out a tape measure to see how far away we were from, from structures and trees and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so with, with this, I think my, my first sort of idea with this would be like, they light a fire and a fire elemental comes out. Okay. You know, something like that. Like they've lit, lit the fire and some sort of fire creature steps out. Yep. That's perfect. This is a very evocative, uh, evocative scene. Yeah. You could go, go a lot of different directions. I guess another, another idea, I'll just do the other one that I was thinking about is like, they light the fire, but the fire doesn't put out any heat. In fact, it puts out cold. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I was going to say something similar. I was going to say something like they light it, but it doesn't, it burns in an unusual color. You know, like it doesn't behave Ooh, yeah. like the fire they were expecting. Maybe they they light it and they can't put it out ever. Okay. <laughs> like, it's just like they have made an eternal flame. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's <laughs> that's an interesting one I, this is kind of mundane but what if what if it just spreads unexpectedly to Ooh. like the surrounding environment okay I think every GM has a good story of like the time the PCs burned down like half of the Forgotten Realms uh, <laughs> in the course of some petty adventure yeah that reminds me like uh, this like whenever there's like a movie or like fantasy scenes like where like all the torches sort of like light one by one down oh, the hallway yes like that's always stuck out to me and i also just like how like you know like obviously it's magic but it just like, doesn't make any sense <laughs> always did it chris come on that's the uh it's like the torch equivalent of every time anyone draws a blade even if it's not in a scabbard or anything you hear this like shinging yeah. noise uh it's just all right so we have four items on our list so far uh, yeah, we, we have five. So there's the fire creature. Okay. Um, the fire is like just cold. Uh, it's an unusual color. Uh, they light it and it is like magically can never be put out ever again. Um, or they light it and it spreads uncontrollably. Okay. So you need, need one more. What if the, uh, what if the smoke 
starts uh, forming words or symbols. Oh, I like that. We might have to make this a D10 table. This is a really good topic. <laughs> yeah, do you have some more ideas? Maybe. I'm going to write this forming words one okay. down. And then write some more numbers here. Just keep going. Um, words. Uh, I think I like the, like, they, this is like a very, like, Harry Potter thing, but, like, they, they, like, light it and they can look into, like, a different fire hmm. from it. Yep. Yeah, like, the fire, like, this fire has a connection to another fire. That's a good one, yep. Uh, what if they, this is another mundane one, what if they just attract the attention attract the attention of something nearby so like okay. i don't know if that is like an automatic role on the encounter table or if like the gm has a uh, an npc or a monster nearby that we'd notice Ooh. yeah yeah that's mundane but also <laughs> very good what if they what if they like light it and the like the light from the fire um shows sort of like a, a secondary like a realm Ooh. Like around them. So oh, they that's like light it and then they can like they look and it's like, oh actually there's buildings and there's people walking around and stuff, but only in the light from that fire. Yes, that's that's a that is a very good one. Okay. What if lighting the fire violates some sort of taboo or rule in the forest? Like I don't know, like oh. you know, like you don't chop down wood in the Ents forest, you know. Um what if there's you know, some keeper of the of the area or a, a fairy creature or something like that, that like you're not, you're just not supposed to have done it. Yeah. I like that. Especially if you could make the, the, <laughs> the fire pit very inviting to light as well. It's like, yes. well, yeah, <laughs> no, no, the God of the forest hates you forever. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to cut us off there. Um, otherwise we'll keep going. So yeah. So uh, they light it. The party sits down and lights a fire. A fire creature could come out. Uh, mm -hmm. The fire puts out like a, a cold, um, cold rather than hot. There's an unusual color. It ends up being an internal flame. Um, it spreads unexpectedly. Smoke starts forming words or symbols. Uh, the fire is actually connected to another fire that they can kind of look through. Mm -hmm. It attracts the attention of something nearby. Uh, the light from the fire shows another plane of existence. Or lighting the fire violates a taboo. I That's like it. Good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that was yeah. uh, that was ten pretty fun ideas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. So that that was a really fun table to do. Um, let's do. You know, we have a little bit of time, so let's let's go ahead and roll on the table. We're gonna have a quick conversation. I think about whatever the topic is that we roll on. Um, yeah. So I have a D10 here, Andy. So I'm ready to roll whenever. If you have the table. Yeah, I've got the table in front of me, and yeah, we'll have a brief conversation. And if we feel like we don't cover the topic in depth, we can just keep it on the mm -hmm. table for a future discussion. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. So all right, roll gonna... one to ten to determine what we will okay. be discussing. I'm going to use the die that I realized that I was carrying around in my pocket for two days for no reason. <laughs> a five. A five. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, Chris, the topic you've rolled is, what expectations do you place on your players when you begin a new campaign? Oh, that's a good one. Okay, yeah. Um, and this could go in a number of different directions. But the, So the first thing that popped to mind, though, is something we've already talked about a little bit at this um earlier in this episode and that is an understanding of like what the genre that you'll be playing in so for aliens game i did my best in sort of the in the email 
communication I sent out to the players. I don't know how effective this was or not, but I tried to uh, talk in the tone of like a drill sergeant and kind of uh, I tried to communicate in the tone of like an aliens movie. And that was in addition to me trying to be clever. It was also and, you know, it was an attempt to make sure everyone understood. Oh, yeah, this is going to be like a, a Marines bantering with each other you know, type of uh, game. And and uh, in this case, everyone has seen, you know, the Alien movies, so I didn't really feel like I needed to lay out expectations. But if this were some movie that not everyone had seen or that wasn't as well known, I might uh, make a little list of like, just so you know, this is a game, you know, you know, you know, the genre we're playing in is like, you know, you're not really going to die, you know, uh, crazy stuff will be, crazy ideas will be rewarded, constant banter and bickering is expected you know just lay out some of the genre expectations do you also enforce those i guess right so it's one thing to lay them out ahead of time but if you are feeling like they're not being met would you try to enforce that like say in the first session Ah, uh, that's a good question i i i don't think i would really i don't i i would be slow to uh, kind of swoop in and tell people that they're playing it wrong, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, if a couple of sessions in, I felt like they really were not getting the tone. Like if you're, if you wanted to play, you know, like uh, golden age Superman and they were playing it like grim, dark, you know, grim, dark spawn or Batman or something like that. Yes. I think a conversation would be merited, but I, you know, I would be slow to do that unless it was really egregious enough. I mean, as we have touched on this a little in the past, you know, when people are playing in a way that is different than you, the GM expects, you know, like one option is to say, all right, guys, shape up. And the other option is to say, they're, you know, are they having fun? Like, is this, would it be more fun if we just went with what they're doing? You know, just ask those questions about like, what kind of fun do we all want to have together? And maybe the answer is like, hey, guys, uh, let's dial this back and make it a little bit more, you know, um, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and a little bit less, you know, Batman, you know, decapitates a bunch of Joker minions. But uh, I don't know. what would, How would you answer that question? Yeah, um, I think like, so I, I run into this recently a little bit. So the, the Halloween one shot that I did was, I just feel like I bring this up every episode, but like, yeah, so it was a, like they were all playing as nineties sitcom characters in it. So during the like character creation part of it, I think I was, I was pretty mindful of sort of like the expectations of what I had for the group and sort of what, what I promised them the night was going to be like. So when we were making characters, it was important to me to like keep on sort of like massaging stuff to make sure that it would fit within the genre that we're going to do. Um, right. So like if, if someone had an outlandish idea, that's great. However, that doesn't like also give you superpowers in this, in this setting. Cause it's very grounded. Um, yeah. And I think in some ways, if like, the GM has any expectation for like, if the GM has any, any sort of responsibility at the table, which you could argue that they don't really need to, cause you're just playing a game. But if they do have a responsibility, I think it is to, sort of guide guide the narrative in some way so like to me it's pretty important that like you put your foot down on, on what the expectations are not in a mean way just by stating them up front i think people can can decide whether or not they want to play yeah play that sort of game yeah it's like so for me i think i do the same thing when i'm 
when I'm starting up a game, like try to send out an email sort of like in fiction <laughs> a little bit to, to get the, get people on board or just have like session zeros with folks mm. too, as they're coming on where you, you sort of talk through like, this is, this is the game that we're playing. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you, how do you want to fit into that? Yeah. Um, you know, cause it's important to let people make decisions, but it's also, I think important to, to kind of tell them, <laughs> tell them like what their decisions are that they can make and which ones are sort of off the table. Yeah. Do you uh, do you find yourself? Do you kind of uh, state any explicit expectations about things like, um, like how how much do I expect you to like learn the rules of this game, or um, you know I would really like you to buy a copy of the book or your own set of dice or your you know do you put do you place any expectations on people beyond show up and be ready to play yeah i have traditionally not done that um and even gone so far as to like withhold information about exactly what we're going to do until until the day of because i don't want people to end up end up feeling like they have to do homework ahead of time yeah so it it is very much just like hey we're going to play a game like this is the sort of style of game and we'll go over everything in person right like that's generally been my preference i think um, I am really interested to, to play like a D&D campaign sometime where where there is a lot of expectations mm-hmm. of the players just to sort of see what, what that's like. Like the expectation of like, you are going to have a mini and you're going to paint it yourself and like you are all going to have a book and like I am going to come at you hard with all the rules. <laughs> you know, just yep. I think every GM sort of wants to try that. Try that at least once. Uh, but yeah, in general, like I, I'm not going to expect people to buy the book. If they do, that's great. Um I don't really expect people to ever learn the rules. That's that's fine. Uh, the what, the line that I draw with D and D in particular is that I'm not going to manage your character sheet. Like I'll answer questions for you, but it's up to you to, to track your inventory. It's up to you to track track sort of your spell slots, that sort of thing. Yep. What about I, you? Yeah, uh, something similar. I, I have to say, in general, I err on like the side of not setting expectations of that sort so kind of like you i'm always conscious of like i don't want to do anything that will make these people feel like they're committing to some burdensome thing that will have homework right so i am usually very quick to say please don't you know you don't need to go buy the book i you know uh i'll bring everything you need to play you know that sort of thing that said you know especially in the last year or two where I have experienced games like Blades in the Dark and some of its uh, relatives. Uh, And I have seen, I've gained an appreciation for how fun it can be to engage with a game's mechanics. Um, You know, uh, that does make me think, you know, I probably, it probably would be smart to set some base level of expectation for the players you know, and, and I guess challenge them to kind of step up, you know, if you want to play D&D, I expect you to, I don't know, I don't know if I'd actually do this, but, <laughs> you know, part of me fantasized a little bit about saying, you know, hey, we're going to play D&D, I expect you to, like, pick up the player's handbook and familiarize yourself enough with this game. I don't know, I, I don't think I, that seems a little harsh, and I, that's not really the style, that's not, not really my personal style, but. It seems to me that in some games and some circumstances, you you could actually be hindering the player's like ability to get into the experience by 
not letting them shoulder any of that like burden of learning the game. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, a real obvious yeah. example is like Blades in the Dark. You can show up with, you can show up blind and play in a Blades in the Dark game, but it would be like ten times more fun if you have at least gone through, scanned through the rules, and have an understanding of its structure and what uh, and what kind of rules are at your disposal to get the results you want in the game. You know, it's a better experience. And if I said to you, hey, we're playing Blades in the Dark, but don't, nobody read the rules and don't worry, I'll take care of everything. And I'll, you know, I would be doing them a disservice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really strikes me as we're talking about this, that if you were to play like some sort of outside sports game with people, like it would be bananas to not expect them to learn some of the rules. Right? Like, like if you're playing pickup basketball or something and someone just grabbed the ball and without dribbling just ran and like tackled someone and like threw it over the fence or something and said like, I win. It's like, well, no, like, cause there are, there's sort of, there's shared expectations of these rules and stuff, you know, in the same way in, you know, D and D or these other games, like exactly like we said, like the rules can support sort of actions that you can do and the more that you understand them, right, kind of the more opportunities that you have to, to try stuff as well. Like, I, I'm thinking about, like, if D&D, if everybody sort of knew all the spells, right, yep. like, it'd be a very different game. Rather than what normally happens, at least when I play, is, like, we're all, like, looking up stuff all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like, it would be it'd be quicker, right? Like, because so, you could just cast a spell and everybody knows exactly what happens and everybody can, can roll things like that. Same thing with, you know, fighter classes and stuff. If they all knew, if everybody knew sort of your class abilities and, you know, and just all the actions that you could take and stuff, it would be just a very, a very different game. I don't know if it'd be too serious for me or not. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there, again, there is a point where, you know, you really, I guess everyone's got a different threshold at which something starts to feel like homework rather than fun. And, um, I don't know, in my experience, a typical game group usually has like one person who is really into the mechanics, like more than you, the GM, are into the mechanics. And then everybody else is somewhere on the spectrum from like, I have to be told which die to roll every mm -hmm. time to like, oh, I read up on like how my specific class powers work, you know. Is this a, I wonder if it's a universal GM feeling, sort of like an imposter syndrome thing. Where everybody else, where you think that like everybody else is running the game more to the book than you are, hmm. yep. like I mean, I, I have some evidence. You know, you can go onto YouTube and you can see that people do take it. You know, they, they do understand the rules better than, better than I do, um, for example. But like, I, I think there's this there is that like the tension that you mentioned of like, you know, of, of doing the homework, right? Because like as a GM, you are doing homework. Like you were preparing and, and, and doing stuff like that. Like it, it's in service of having fun later on and all that. Um, but like, just as your players are sort of expecting you to do that, like why, why can't you kind of expect the players to do that? Or yeah. to at least like think about what they're going to do, do next or what their character is um, and those sort of things. It, it would be it, like the frustrations at the table, I think arise if, if you have someone who's not invested in the game, like whether or not they have the ability to, understand all the rules is sort of a different question but if they're not invested in sort of like telling the story doing mechanics all that as much as everybody else then it's like it's frustrating yeah. you're like like why why are you here you know like, mm -hmm. when we're all here you know doing it it makes me think so i don't know if this is good or bad but i mean my default way i think about 
a game that I'm inviting friends to is, and again, I don't know if this is healthy or not, but I, I kind of think it like they're kind of doing me a favor. I mean, I'm the one that really wants to play D&D or whatever, right? And so when I ask people, do you want to play? I feel, you know, a large part of me feels like I'm really asking them to do me a favor. And <laughs> that influences how much I'm willing to say, all right, well, if you're playing, you you should also do this, this and that and be prepared to be here, you know, promptly at seven and, you know, things like that. I'm, I become more hesitant to put extra expectations, even if those expectations are on paper, like very reasonable and even part of like the shared game. Um, so, I mean, as I as I say this now, I am thinking to myself, I I really ought to like respect my players a little bit more by being oh, yeah. by a trusting that they wouldn't be playing if they didn't want to and b you know allowing them to shoulder some of the you know some of the responsibilities to the extent that they're able you know yeah no i think absolutely you you really hit on it like no one's gonna play if they don't want to so yeah so like you're you're you know, if you're running a game, everybody's sort of doing everybody else a favor of of doing this thing that takes more effort than watching TV does, right? Like, we could all just watch Netflix instead, but we choose to instead get together and, and play these games together. And, like, that's a super cool thing. I think for me, I, I made a shift a couple of years ago from from that, like, of kind of feeling guilty of inviting people over to, ha- like, come have fun and play games to, like, the thought that, these optional experiences that we are creating for ourselves are very important and they are also very optional, right? Like you you can decide with your evening to get together and tell this amazing story. That's really impactful and meaningful for the small group of people and tell it all together. Or you could all be separately watching Netflix and checking Twitter or whatever. Right. Like, and so like, and that's a really cool thing and a really cool, um, like, I don't want to say like honor is, too grandiose of a word <laughs> for, for this sort of thing. Like play is important and, you know, play is a part of life and all that. But like, it's, it's, it's a cool thing to be able to do that with your friends. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think you should ever have to apologize for it. or feel like they're doing you a favor right. by showing up. Yeah. It's like everybody is supporting each other in this. Yeah. Well, we've all taken a deep dive into Andy's fragile uh, psyche and yes. self-esteem issues. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I guess I have one last, uh, question about kind of expectations and obviously the answer to this is going to be it depends but Mm -hmm. what kind of scheduling expectations do you typically put out for people oh yeah uh this is i'm glad you brought this up because i've been meaning to just say this on the podcast um like i think we were chatting about this recently just over text um there's sort of two parts to scheduling a game like one is figuring out who wants to come to the game, like who wants to play. And then the second part is actually finding the time. And I, I recently realized that those are two distinct steps and that's really helped me sort of get over some annoyance that I've had mm-hmm. head with scheduling. So like finding out who's actually interested. Great. Like you can get that done. But then as far as like the, like picking a time to play, um, the expectations that I have for that is that like, if we pick a time, like we have picked the time. Mm-hmm. So if you decide that you, you can't make it or if you can't make it, for whatever reason, we're not going to try to reschedule unless like everybody's schedule has blown up. Like we're just going to charge on forward. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's born out of experience of just trying to make it work when it's just not going to, you know, or like 
yeah, trying to reschedule last minute. It's just, that's tough to do with adults. Yeah. I think. Yeah. What about you? What's your, your expectations you set? Yeah. I, I mean, I am typically paying with people that are busier than me. So I, again, it's that feeling of like indebtedness, which maybe isn't the healthiest, but it is also true that it's often the case that the people I'm, that my players like genuinely have busier schedules and, and higher day-to-day, you know, just loads on their um, on, demands on their time and mental energy. So I temp- so I typically don't do much beyond like an aspirational, like I'd like us to meet about once every three weeks or something like that. With this alien game online, I, for whatever reason, running the game online has given, I have felt a little bit more, um, a little bit more permission to be a little more aggressive with scheduling. And like, we've been playing Alien for just, I don't know, you know, a couple weeks. And we've, you know, we've had people that couldn't make it. We've had people that had to be late and things like that. But I feel like we, we've been pressing ahead, you know, and I like that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you know, I like that. I want to be where you are when you describe, you know, being able to say, all right, you know, we're just going to, this is, we've all discussed and this Friday is the game night and we're going to run it whether there's, and if you can't make it, that's a bummer, but we're just going to run it anyway. So I, I typically am pretty loose on scheduling, but I think it benefits everybody when you do set some scheduling expectations. Um, and, you know, somewhat, par- you know, it sounds a little paradoxical, but, you know, the busier you are, sometimes the more helpful it is to have really, uh, really set in stone expectations, you know, because you have so many moving pieces you need to slot gaming in among them and if gaming can be canceled at the last minute or you know if gaming is really variable that makes it tough to schedule out your month right oh yeah yeah like when i was running my weekly lunch game like that was amazing because it's just like it did not matter every friday we're playing like you know unless unless i cancel because i have something else going on like we are playing on friday and that was that was probably the best scheduling situation you could have right because it's just like weekly you know we're playing at lunch like this block it off if you can make it yeah um you know and it ended up that like certain people just couldn't play because that time slot didn't work and like that that's not great but if the more that we tried to shift things around to make accommodations for people just the more complicated it got and then just it resulted in fewer people making it more often mm, yeah. right whenever you were like oh let's play at one this time or like you know twelve thirty and stuff so it just got to the point where it's like this is our time slot yeah yeah so i don't know like i for anyone out there like yeah just set your expectations and stick to them unless something <laughs> catastrophic <laughs> happens i know as someone who has like a, a baby at home like that's extremely helpful just knowing that like gaming is scheduled and it's not going to shift all right well good thoughts well i think that we should probably wrap up here we've been yes. yammering on for a while as is our as we are want to do uh but yeah it's been a good discussion uh so yeah any any closing thoughts on this I, you are you actually already gave like a pretty good little closing yeah. statement there um, i have i have no further conclusions <laughs> okay do you, do you have anything else that you want i to am throw in all there? done with ideas uh, yeah. right <laughs> i can't even finish the sentence that's yeah well it has been good to talk to you about this stuff chris uh and yeah maybe in a, a couple weeks let's circle back i'll see if i have any uh, additional insights with about the alien game i promise not to get too nitty-gritty in the boring recap um 
and I'll also tell you what I end up packing into that um, Christmas package. So. Oh yes, yeah, please do. All right, well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Um, the we'll try to publish the 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 D10 uh, fire table. Um, so we're probably just like on the website or in the show notes or something. Um, this is the first one that I think I might actually end up using in a game okay. at some point that we've made. It, it seems pretty cool. If Maybe you that do, you have to too. say what you rolled and then explain what came yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's pretty fun to make these. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you so much for listening. Um, I've been Chris Salzman. I have been Andy Rowe. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. <laughs>